Hello, fellow humans. Welcome to the Hot Mess Clubhouse, a podcast that celebrates funny women. I'm your trying very hard not to sound hungover host, Lucy Vine, and my guest today is the endlessly charming and lovely Tiff Stevenson. She's a stand-up comedian, actor and writer. You would definitely know her from your TV screens or the many stage shows she's done over the years. She's in the genius BBC comedy show, People Just Do Nothing, and my soulmate TV programme, Game Face. We talk about her funniness, but also cover a range of subjects that include being a hot mess, the curse of big boobs, kink shaming, and accidentally murdering goldfish with body shop perfume. We do also get quite deep at times, and trigger warning, we do touch on suicide, so forgive us for being real human beings with real feelings about things. I hope you enjoy. Okay, hello Tiff, how are you? I'm great, I'm great, how are you? You look very sunny and you've got a nice bright orange lipstick on. Thank you very much, I made an effort for you. You, and I Wash didn't for hair. you. So no, you look no. <laughs> I did, I, I've, I've worn a nice outfit, but I haven't done great. makeup. No, you look great. You've got you've got a tan, so that's like cheating, essentially. It is cheating. I've just been on holiday to the Canaries. So nice. And um, well, welcome to the Hot Mess Clubhouse. Do you consider yourself to be a hot mess? Oh yeah. I mean, I haven't thought about that phrase for a good few years. Yeah. Actually, I I'm bringing it back. Bringing it back. I like hot mess. I like hot mess because it suggests like. Sexy, carefree, throwaway, unless it's used in like a, not throwaway, throwaway, like, but you know, like carefree, just like, yeah, sure. come on, I'm a hot mess. Um, I don't know if it's been like, is, is it viewed as a more disparaging thing now? No, I don't think so. I think it's been reclaimed. That's yeah. what I'm trying to do. It's yeah, good. well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mess as in that I'm, in some parts of my life, I've really got it together and in others, I'm all over the place. I'm always late. I was late for this, no. so there's that. Well, I like people being late because I'm pathologically early to everything. Right. So it just That's puts a bit passive-aggressive, mate. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> pathologically early is great. I've been really trying, actually, because yesterday I had such a day of, like, disaster after disaster. Like, I nearly missed my flight. Oh, have you literally just come back from your holiday yesterday? No, I've I've been back from my holiday a week, right. but I flew up to Scotland to film a TV show yesterday. So I, I sort Fun. of flew up one day, flew back the next day, and, and I got my timings. I sort of, when I'm really busy, sometimes I just like briefly glance at things and I think, right, and my flight lands at 12.20, so that means it's not leaving till 11.20. And I was actually leaving at 10 to 11. So I woke up in my hotel room shit. right opposite the airport. And then I was like, oh, shit. So I like threw everything in my case, ran up to security and went, can you <laughs> please let me through? And this American woman went, you're huffing and puffing enough for me to Deserve believe it. you. <laughs> yeah. So just go through. So I'm like trying to run through to get to the gate. And then I see that it's a BA flight and I see that it's clo- it says closed. <laughs> and I'm just like, fuck. So the plane's going at like 10 to 11 and it's 10.42. And, like, fuck. and I, fe- I feel like I'm having a heart attack. I feel like I'm breathing through a sponge. Like I can't get my breath. And the people behind the desk were like, relax, don't have a heart attack. We'll let you on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> so then I just got on the plane like a hot mess. My yeah. face was puce and I was panting. And then I had to walk to the back of the plane. <laughs> Past everyone. Past everyone sweating behind my knees, like. (laughs) So you were a very literal hot mess. I was a hot mess. I was hot. I was a mess. Yeah, not a sexy hot mess. Just a unfit woman. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's the part um, we and and I struggle with in the hot mess bit is the hot bit because I'm not sure if that means sort of 
we because we say like hot second as in quick yes or something don't we or, or just brief and I don't know if that's what it, or does it mean a sexy mess does it mean I always think of it to mean slightly sexy yeah. disheveled and sexy yeah that's fine but and this, we are both solid 10 out of 10 we're te- I, so I, we I self-identify as a 10 looks wise Same. yes yeah totally. so I think that's, that's important yeah <laughs> I see myself how I want the world to see me yeah. no I don't I, I'm, I'm often picking apart everything about me depends on the day of the month actually yeah there's a lot of hormonal uh, stuff that gets involved sure, I did think though true. I did think like you know we often talk about how we never truly uh, realise the limits of human potential until we're tested and I just never knew I could run that fast until I realised it was going to cost me another three hundred pounds. I'm just not built. Potential to run. unlocked. You're not built. You've to got run. the tits as well. Yeah, yeah. I just can't. unless I'm wearing sort of six sports bras, I would not have made that flight. Right, right. <laughs> I yeah. There's a thing we can talk about boobs. Yeah. Um, let's then. I just feel like as a big boobed woman, a big titted. Yeah, same here. I'm trying to bury it. I am actually wearing a sports bra. I wear a sports bra a lot. Yeah. I've been thinking about this recently because the way you get treated when you have big boobs mm. suggests that you chose yes. to have this body type and this body shape, which is people think is going to be excellent. You're going to love it. But quite often you're just sort of disparaged and dismissed and instantly sexualized yeah. because of them. And I, it's been a struggle my entire life. If you literally wear anything, I've got a very high necked t-shirt on today. Yes. And if I wear even a slightly scooped neck, suddenly my boobs are everything. And it's just people act like I've put them out on display. Whereas women with Flatter chest can just wear the sort of skimpy, like all the way down to the belly button thing, and it's not even a thing. Yes, I don't yeah. know. It's either frump or floozy. Those yeah. seem to be the two options that you have. As a as a like, and today I've gone fitted because I've just started going. I'm sick of just looking like a sack, <laughs> like of just like just putting on something that like high necks look disgusting on me, <laughs> and my head is small, so I just look like this piece stacked on top of a mountain. <laughs> so, but, but 10 out of 10, just to, just to say again, you are 10 out of 10. <laughs> 10 out Apart of from 10. the pea head. Apart from the tiny pea head and the overly large chest. No, it's not overly large. It's lovely. Well, it is, and it, but it also, when there's a window in which you can enjoy probably having big boobs, but at that point, you don't really have the confidence to kind of know or understand. And actually, all that happens now is you exercise and you get, I get athlete's foot tip. That's how I describe it. <laughs> That's very Which good. Which is where, the you know. Yeah, just like when you yeah. run or do just exercise. Sweat under, it's yeah. sweat and it just, it smells like you're baking bread down there. You're like, what's going on? Um, so <laughs> these are big boob problems, 2019, yeah. direct But also, um, maybe it's just the terrible sports bras I wear, but like I get sort of almost like carpet burns on my shoulders from oh, under I've the straps. Oh, I've got indentations. Yeah, oh, constant indentations, but especially if I'm doing something vigorous exercise-wise. Yes, yeah, you get all the skin come off. Yes, That's lovely. where my tan's coming off. So yeah, super sexy having big boobs. Super sexy. So yeah, it's it's weird. <laughs> it's, it's weird. Yeah. But you said before about you, you were sick of wearing the sort of shapeless sack thing. Yeah. Do you think that you do quite hide away? I have your before. Body shape. Yeah, I have before. My my fiance will go like, "You've got such an amazing figure. Why are you trying to cover it up?" And is he Scottish? You know, yeah, is that what yeah. That was? that was like that's what that was. It was an excellent impression of him. It was him. great. Well, I got um, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he he's always like, "Look, embrace it." 
But it's hard because I also know what that brings when you're trying to embrace it because it looks like you're embracing it. And it looks like you're going, here I am presenting myself as this sort of sexual woman. And when I'm on a panel show, I don't necessarily want to be presenting myself as a sexual woman. I want to be presenting myself as a funny woman. And of course I want to look nice. And of course I want to look attractive. But it's such a hard... And sometimes behind those desks, yeah. you can just look like a uni boob, just like sat behind, like if the desk comes up high, you're like, oh, I'm just tits on a table just now. Just resting my tits on this yeah. table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, I want to interrupt this amazing chat to do the clubhouse initiation, Ooh. which is just a quick fire round, okay. essentially. But also, this is a casual fire round, really. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Have you ever been in an ambulance? Yes. Cool. <laughs> Do you want more? Yeah, go A couple on. of times. First time I ever went in an ambulance, I think I was like about seven or eight years old. And my parents had gone away for an evening to celebrate a birthday or something. And my grandma was looking after me and she'd picked a punnet of strawberries. And while she was downstairs watching television, I snuck into the kitchen, ate all of the strawberries and then got very, very sick and was like projectile vomiting red strawberries everywhere. So we had to go to the hospital, get in an ambulance. So that was the first time. And it was probably like something out of The Exorcist, I imagine, just this child like sitting up, spewing red everywhere. So super sexy. Super sexy. Yeah. So that's my first hot mess experience. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you apologize too much? Probably apologize about the right amount for how much I fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever play truant at school? Yeah, loads. Badass. How important is money to you? It's important. Yeah. There are definite things where I go, I've made this decision because artistically I want to do a thing. And then I have to go through justifying money or having money or wanting money. I have a hard time accepting money and being okay with money. And I think that's a very working class thing. But it's something that I've been working on over the years. And I, I've got to a sort of point of going, I deserve and this is work. And, you know. I think it's a, a female thing as well, surely. Like, I get offered to do certain things and I'm like, oh, no, you don't need to pay me. It's yeah. awful. Well, that's but that's happening a lot at the moment. Oh, I just going to be feel like a rant. Under the guise of for women. so like international women's day coming up and then being asked to do a loads of free stuff and you're like i don't see how this is helping women this is a for women thing but you're not you know which fits yeah fits into a broader thing of me thinking working class women are being priced out of feminism at the moment which is that's interesting well all these t-shirts on international women's day from like victoria beckham and people like that that were like 300 pounds each and you're like it's it's become very corporate um in fact, a lot of movements have sort of been co-opted by, you know, uh, corporates who want to kind of affect wokeness. And you go, this is all performative. There's performative and there's demonstrative. And what I'd like to see is demonstrative. Whereas if if a coffee company, for example, who does a pride cup, but they also do zero hour contracts, I'm like, this is two conflicting messages. Yeah. Just so, jumping on a bandwagon at that yeah, point, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, what is the most romantic thing that's ever happened to you? Oh, um, you did just get engaged last year, right? I did. Were you not going to go to that? Yeah, and I just, I forgot to put my ring on before I came out, so I felt... Trying to to hook up, Trying to hook up, just in case I see anyone that tickles my fancy. Um, And I've got a tan mark there now as well, so they'll be like, oh my God. Um, Yeah, I did get engaged. It wasn't a, you know, a big organised dance, one of those videos, those engagement videos that you see. Yeah. It was just, um, he asked me... um, 
on Christmas Day. Aww. And he wrapped the ring up as a present. So I had to say yes or I didn't get anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's pretty romantic. But I feel like probably more romantic than that was like maybe the first time he told me he loved me. You know, I've, I have have like lots of romantic moments with him or him sending me flowers or just bringing me a gift or cooking me a dinner or doing something special for me or doing something for my, nice for my family. He does that a lot. He's a very... I'm lucky I've got a good But egg. it was definitely with your fiance, the romantic yeah, moment. Yeah, the romantic <laughs> the, the moment. Most yeah, we've been together. We've been together for 12 years. And oh, some wow, might think right. the romance goes when you wake up in the morning and the first conversation you have is with each other's asses as you fart <laughs> your way through the morning. Some might say the romance is gone, but I you know I think so. I think farting is romantic. <laughs> I, I <do. laughs> My friend Roisin has always been like, I love that you do that. I feel like it's like really feminist. Like you're like... <laughs> I just, I'm doing it. And I'm like, I don't even know that I, there was a motivation behind it, but I'm just like, I'm a human, I exist in the world. I I'm liked not... that casual name drop as well. Oh, right. Were you yeah. guys friends before Game Face? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've known Roisin for Amazing. How do you not been break all the time when you're doing that, working with your friend? Oh, um, it's difficult. It's difficult. Like, we, we, we've just done the second series, so I can't sort of re- reveal any sort of plot details but it is Roisin's writing is is exceptional and really tight and then but she's very generous on set and that she lets people play and come up with their own stuff as well so sometimes yeah. people do stuff that you don't expect and you yeah because I was going to ask you because there's quite a lot of comedians on set yes um and so is it a lot of improv do you um well the well the the script is there and then we'll do those versions and then there's kind of a bit of play as well on the day you know um Roisin and Chappers uh who's the director as well are kind of like if you know if it doesn't feel right then we can move it around and play with it and sometimes you've got to roll with the punches a little bit because you never know what's going to happen um so yes there is there's definitely play and there's definitely it's, it's a joy to be around there's a lot of really, really good stand-ups that are good comedic actors. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't always work the same way. If you act, it doesn't always mean that you can be good at comedy or do stand-up. Yeah. So the stand-ups that are very good at acting are, you know, um, <laughs> it's, you, you know you've got people like Alfie Brown and Alistair Green. And like the, in the first series, there was like so many um, comics sort of peppered throughout the show. Yeah, and in amazing. this series as well, I think like Felicity Wards in a couple of episodes as well. Like lots of uh, Roche has e- exceptional taste, you know. So she's <laughs> that's why um, you're in it. That's why I'm, I'm going to come back to your acting in a minute because I got distracted. We're still in the quick fire tip. Okay, right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite takeaway? Oh, um, sushi probably. Great. Yeah. Good choice. Have you ever lost a pet? Um, yes, I have. Goldfish, two goldfish that I had when I was 14 called uh, Blackjack and Fruit Salad. Oh, After cute the sweets. Name. Yeah. Um, for my 40, I think it was my 14th birthday, I had girls, had a sleepover, and we sprayed lots of like jubri perfume from the body shop and lots of impulse body spray and hairspray and I think we choked them with fumes. Oh my God, you killed the gold. Because we went out and when we came back they were floating on top of the oh fish tank. <laughs> so, yeah. We, we smoked them out. <laughs> Which is quite I'm terrifying. So sorry, <laughs> it's funny. Laugh. It was funny. It is funny. I mean, Did you laugh at the time? Or? I think at the time I was like... I hope you cried. I don't think I cried because they are goldfish. Is that, that really is mean of really me? That is really shit. Um, when you were a kid, did you believe everything you were told? Uh, no, I always questioned. 
Oh, pretty much, I was, yeah, that was my favourite word when I was at why. <laughs> I was one of those annoying kids. I got sent out of an English class once for asking why too much and made just to over and over again. <laughs> Were you trying to wind the teacher up? That was actually, I was about 14 then, so yes, I was. You were just but, being a dick. But I was that, I, I did kind of like question stuff a lot as a kid. Oh, that's probably the best way. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there was a point where I sort of believed in. I mean, I did believe in magical things and I had a sense of adventure and I had imagination, but I did used to ask a lot of questions. Like, how the fuck did this unicorn get itself a dick on its forehead? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> why Why has this horse got a dick? Yeah. <laughs> Finally, related, have you ever been offered an orgy? Oh, no. Oh. Not that I'm aware of, but maybe I'm not good at picking up the sexual signals. <laughs> this is where we're going next with the Hot Mess Clubhouse. <laughs> No. Oh, no. I would be. Sorry. I would not be up for it. Oh, rude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just taking my top off here. Put it back on. Oh, um, well, speaking of rude, I got accused of kink shaming on a... Did you? I was selling a pair of shoes on eBay and someone messaged me going, have you got any with grubby footbeds? Oh. And I posted it like going, this guy definitely wants to wank in my shoes, right? <laughs> And then people were coming back, like, and it was like, oh, God, like, and then people were like, don't kink shame. And I'm like, this isn't kink shame. This person's kink is messaging unsuspecting women yeah. and telling them what their th- their kink is. Exactly. Because it was DA. That's he didn't another know power move. Yeah. It's a, it's yeah. a sort of dark yeah. dick pic version. I'm, I'm coming into your inbox to tell you that I want to wank in your shoes, you know. So, but yeah, so it was like kink shaming. And I'm like, that's not a thing. Sorry. Like. <laughs> You, you know, have your kink, whatever it is, that's fine, you know, but don't try do and... Do consenting adults. Yeah, do it with someone who consents to it. Go to a, totally a, fine. A, foot, a foot kink website or a forum or something. Do it there. Go to Grubby Footbeds. Go to a charity shop. Like, yeah, set up Not that, one out there, mate. Set up that website, <laughs> uh, Grubby Foot... Footbeds.com. Footbeds. That's so niche. Uh, Anyway, well done. You have survived the initiation. You're now part of the Hot Mess Clubhouse. And there is a goodie bag. Oh, is there? Just a a little welcome bag. Oh, thanks. It's just chocolate and booze. There's a bear on the front. Yeah. Yeah. Happy you day. Ah, yes. I will accept. Is this what Diane Abbott was drinking on the train? Yes, mate. (laughs) Do you want one now? (laughs) It's one o'clock. Yeah, I sort of do. Shall we? Are you performing tonight, right? I'm performing tonight, but I didn't drive here. Fine. So this will walk wear off by the time I I need to go anywhere. What chocolate? What else is in here? Oh, squashies. I like those. Yeah, I'm into that. Are you into chocolate? Yeah. Sweets? Yeah, 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 I'm into chocolate. Okay, so I made some right decisions, yeah. Yeah. And and depending on time of the month, I can get quite animalistic about it. Yeah, same. Like, there's there's just my pre-menstrual and then also, like, the first two days of my period, I'm like, how can I have it? Yeah, I don't recognise myself in the mirror for a whole day and I'll be like, what is going on with me? And then I realise it's my period's coming tomorrow sort of thing. I get PMDD. Which is which is premenstrual dysphoria disorder, and it's is it is that a thing or is something self diagnosed? No, it's a it's a it's, it's a thing. Yeah, it's um, but there could probably be a bit more research on it. And I'm I'm someone who's tried to fix it myself by trying to regulate my hormones with so stuff like starflower. What it is. So it's it's about a week before my period. I get like a depression, but it's like beyond a depression. It's like the sort of heaviest version that you can have of it and I get like sort of suicidal ideation I'm like I'm gonna go and drive off a cliff like that kind of 
that sort of level of I'm going to plunge a knife in my chest. It's a, it's a bottoming out. It's a feeling like, and I had depression in my 20s as well. And in my late 20s, like in my early 20s, really bad. And it came back in my late 20s, like it, you know. But this is, this isn't kind of like a low level feeling of dread, which the other thing was, this is like a, I need to end it now type feeling. God, so it's like, yeah, probably maybe closer to a postpartum. Like I've seen it kind of discussed with like a lot of those message boards and stuff with with the similarity but yes it's 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 premenstrual taken to the most extreme degree it can be taken it's also terrifying that hormones can be so just makes you realize the rest of the month how lucky we are to have sort of a A hopefully balanced hormonal well here's the thing as well i I think it sort of saved my life realizing it was that. Right. Because in the moment where you feel like that and you feel like there's no way out and there's no resolving or or, or way out of this situation, knowing that I go, oh, when is it? This is a week before. So just get through. To, if you just get through today, just get through today. You're going to be fun. And then tomorrow you're going to feel a lot better. And the day after you're going to feel a lot better again. So you must have to track your periods quite closely. So I have to track my periods now. And also I stopped taking the pill sort of in my 20s because I didn't like what it was kind of doing to me. So I feel like maybe uh, uh, PMDD is one of the things that is kind of prevented by the pill. I don't know. All I know is that it sort of got worse as I was in my late 30s. And I, to the point of me going... I need to do something about this and then kind of, you know, and then sometimes there would just be a massive moment of relief when I got my period and it would kind of all drop away. So I think that was the first time I realized that it was connected and then I went investigating it. But yeah, so far I've just done, you know, just done the, the thing of like kind of trying to regulate my hormones and starflower oil, which is higher in, in that particular hormone than oil of evening primrose seems to have done it, you know, but um, yeah. I've got a couple of friends now who are like, oh, I think I have that and I have this. And I'm like, yeah, you, you know. It's probably very common, but it's another thing that we don't talk about. Well, we don't, all, couldn't possibly mention period stuff. <laughs> yeah, all of women's sort of medical conditions are so under-researched and yeah. so under, everything is geared towards men's bodies. You know, yeah. it's just another one of those sort of like things that in life we kind of go around going oh right well no one knows about this because we haven't spent time so and we test everything on men of course yeah so we know how it reacts in because men are neutral body. men yeah. are default and that's you know it's crazy yeah you mentioned having depression in your 20s um yeah. i kind of think there's some kind of correlation with funniness and depression do you feel like there is that link i feel like it's quite a common funny people or mm. maybe i don't know if it's chicken egg thing yeah whether you reached for comedy because you had this inclination towards depression or whether being a funny person is a sort of insecure thing anyway. Yeah, I think um, there's a cut, like a lot of the people that I know doing stand-up sort of stems from your childhood or stuff that came up through your childhood and your need to be heard and seen and have your ideas heard and, um, and also to make situations okay situations that are happening as a kid that you want to make everyone in the room feel comfortable and okay so you become this frenetic yeah yeah that's like a lot of performers that's not just stand up but I definitely think the depression I think like uh stand up is like the best form of therapy that sort of exists like also it's it's philosophical it's the it's the greatest study of yourself and moral relativity and who we all are and our place in the world and 
And so I think it's quite therapeutic in, in a lot of ways for stand-ups to, you know, I think there's a line in Always Sunny in Philadelphia where Sweet D does, uh, is doing stand-up and they're like, you're just on the line between suicidal and something else, which is where most stand-ups thrive. <laughs> On the line between, yeah. I really I, enjoyed her stand-up comedy. Yeah. <laughs> that show was And amazing. the other guy, landslide. Um, <laughs> I can't remember. There's a light. Yeah, there's a light. I should look it up. But it, it's the sweet spot for stand-ups. And it's true because I think sometimes if you find dark stuff funny, which I do, yeah. you know, then that's where the humor comes from it. Because it, it, that's what comedy does. It shines a light in these dark corners because if we didn't laugh at it, we'd just cry relentlessly. So I feel like out of that, people sometimes you're writing when you're in it sometimes you're writing from the other side of it but I did a show in 2014 at Edinburgh called Optimist which was sort of talked about that and the fact that there'd been some suicide attempts but I thought I was so far past it but then doing the show every night sort of felt like I was reliving it a little bit um and then that year like Robin Williams yeah killed himself and it it, it just seemed to be everywhere and I felt very much like I was like reliving this thing I was like I'm reliving this sort of trauma and playing it out and I was like I don't know how I'm sort of glad I did it I'm glad I spoke about some of the stuff but I think if I was to do it again I would have a better sense of separation from myself and the material but that's hard because stand-up is if you do the kind of stand-up that I do it's kind of deeply personal anyway yeah so um were you always funny did you when you, do yeah. you remember being funny as a child yeah some of my school friends are like you were always funny I always remember you being funny um and it's kind of like a defense mechanism as well. And to, mm. you know, stop you getting picked on, to stop you, you know, you've got to be, yeah. you know. Do you um, think it, it gave you an advantage in life? Because I think sometimes as well, being funny, I'm thinking of men, like, with funny women. I I, I mean, I'm not mm. comedian funny, but I'm funny. Um, and I've found that men find that a bit threatening sometimes, like, we're on their turf. As oh, I mean, definitely when I, and not my fiancé who I'm with now, but definitely when I started in... Stand up, you know. I was seeing a couple of actors, a few actors, which is my own fault, really. <laughs> what um, were you thinking? <laughs> yeah, but often what they'd get is like, well, if you can do it, it can't be that hard. If you're good at it, I've probably I've watched a lot of Bill Hicks. There was a lot of that going around. Like I can memorize Bill Hicks, and but also all of these actors took themselves so seriously. There was no way you were ever going to be a, like you. Your level of self importance. You know, you need to be able to laugh at yourself. Sometimes you need to be the butt of the joke. A lot of the time it needs to be important that you can... Funny is not about being right all the time. Sometimes it's about being right or sometimes it's about kind of admitting that we're all flawed and that you're the dick. You can't always be the hero in these stories is what I'm saying. Sure. And so many of these kind of actors are, are caught up in their own ego. So, so yeah, I think they did find it threatening. I think they did find if if you're in the room like you know, kind of snapping, giving all the funny stuff. They're like, well, what's my, where's my seat? What, how do I jostle for position here? Yeah, it's that thing of saying they, they um, want someone with a sense of humour, but what they mean is that, that we'll laugh at that their laugh jokes. Laugh at their jokes. Oh, yeah. I definitely, I yeah. definitely, I have friends who just relentlessly date women who they go, oh, she's so smart. And I'm like, what you mean to say there is, and this is someone who, who dates younger women, like kind of rel relentlessly, like 10, 12, 15 years younger. <laughs> She's so smart, and I'm not doubting the woman is smart, but what he always means by that is she just sits there and doesn't say anything or you just kind of do your polemic at her. And she oh sort of nods, God. like, you know. Yeah. Um, but Paul, is is Paul your fiancé? Yeah. Um, he doesn't, he likes you being funny, <laughs> presumably. Yeah, he's always been like, 
he's protective of me. He loves it. Um, and sometimes we'll like he'll direct my shows and sometimes we'll go toe to toe and disagree on material. And we talk, we have these kind of like rigorous intellectual discussions about what's going to work and what isn't going to work. And he can kind of see it from an outside view of like your brain works quite quickly and mm. makes these steps. And not everyone in the audience is always there when you've made those steps and those leaps. So he likes to stand back and look at the work, but he's not threatened. He's not threatened by. Also, I'm not someone who's con always on. I'm not someone who feels the need to be in the room and like. Yeah, yeah. I'm not that person. Sometimes I'm like, I'm just, I feel like being serious and I want to talk about this thing and I, I want to get into that. Um, so it's just an, another aspect to my personality. But I'm, you know, in the moment funny when I need and want to be. But sometimes that pressure to be kind of the entertaining person, you know, like I had someone at a funeral. <laughs> Oh, my no. uncle's funeral come over and she was like, so what, you know, what I love is being CV'd at a funeral. What television shows is about that I've seen you in? Are you going to do some, are you going to tell some, I'm like, at a funeral? No, I'm not, you know. Oh, you're kidding me. No, no. Like, and, and so that kind of pressure to be entertaining is sometimes a bit like, I'm not in the mood for this. <laughs> but, you know, around my family, I'm going to be funny. We all have a laugh. Like, my family are funny as well. Will you do um, a speech at your wedding? Will you? I might do a speech. Do at my the own funny wedding. thing at your wedding? Yeah, I probably will. Yeah, I probably will. And then, of course, you will give up your career and become a housewife. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll start doing all the cooking. He does all the cooking. I mean, I. <laughs> but I speaking don't do of shit. your career, um, you've done some awesome things, haven't you? God, I've been lucky. Yeah, I say I've been lucky, but yeah, not lucky. You've been amazing, and you're incredibly talented. Let's say that. Yeah. 10 out of 10 sure. on the career front as well. <laughs> What's been your favourite thing to work on? Can you name um, one? <laughs> it's hard because they all fulfil very different aspects of what I like. I mean, I love acting because I feel like it's like trying on lives. That's part of the appeal as an actor to kind of go, could I go and do this thing? And I, what, what, would I go and live in Louisiana for six months and just do this, you know? Like, is this the right... Like, you, you get to sort of try things on. You get to try on being another person. And I find that quite appealing so in terms of those I mean I lo I've loved working on Game Face because it's great seeing Roisin's brilliant brilliant ideas so come good. to I relate very hard <laughs> yeah come to fruition and we are close and I you know her heart and soul is in that and it's a real thing that I think it connects people connect with it so hard yeah yeah because it is a thing and that you two on screen make me shriek oh laughter. that's good it's that's so good. good well and that's a genuine that's really nice when you get to have that kind of moment of genuine that's who we are to each other you know mm -hmm. so I've really enjoyed working on that and there's so many funny people on that um people just do nothing has been you know it's going to be what it's one of those cultural kind of so good. <laughs> it's one of those cultural moments that you're like I originally auditioned for the first series right. and then for Roche um, and I wasn't right for that part, but I did do a really good audition and then they just brought me back for the next series and we sort of created the character together a bit, really. There's lots of impro on that show. There's, there's the script, which is probably about, I'd say about 50 to 60% of what makes it on screen. And then the rest, <clears throat> especially with my character, a lot of it is coming up with it in the in the moment. So I've, really, I've really enjoyed that and I feel like, it's again, people connect to it because it's, it's real... It's not punching down. It's about real people with like dreams and hopes and 
everyone relates to that and at what point do you give up your dreams and hopes yeah. and similarly to game face has that kind of idea as well as like at what point do you have to accept that for you it's not working or this isn't you know um, but it's so nice and it feels like a sort of revolutionary time on telly that we are putting unlikable people on screen yes. that are so likable yes yeah <laughs> but especially flawed, women flawed people yes. women have yeah. for a long time not allowed to be yeah. sort of flawed well the only flaw we were allowed was to be a bit clumsy yes exactly yeah <laughs> trip up fall over exactly. that old Adorably. classic yeah. rom-com thing yeah. and then also my shows that I've written that I'm sort of really proud of uh, Bombshell and, and my show Seven actually my last you know the show before that like I've written these things that I think oh they, these are pieces of work that I've done that will you know articles you know I'm there's moments yes, that you're very I've, very multi-talented Tiff <laughs> well the, one of the pieces I wrote a piece about having an abortion when I was 17 yes. which seems to have connected with um, because I was very real about my um, or honest about my emotions and the details of it, which I think people sort of connected with. I feel like there's a real personal thing when women come and go that piece of writing or that bit of stand up that you did. I love it so much because I connected to it. And so that's one of the things that with acting, you don't get as much unless you've written it. And I'm, I'm sort of working on my own show at the moment. Oh, so, exciting. you know, yeah. So hopefully if we get that, if if it gets made the way we want to make it, then there will be moments in that. Because I do want to talk quite a lot about my experience of being a stepmother and mothering in all its aspects, which is what my new show in Edinburgh yes. is going to be about. Mother. Because <laughs> um, I'm a stepmother. Um, so, yeah, I feel like I want to talk about the different ways families can come about and respect that's given, respect that's earned. This is this is what the show will be about. The show Incredible. that we're developing at the moment, the TV show and my Edinburgh show. So, oh, Well, fingers crossed that that all goes amazingly. I better let you leave now. Uh, um, thank you so much for joining me today, Tiff. Is there anything else you would like to plug before we wrap things up? I did just burp into the microphone. We Shall discussed we, this yeah. at the top. So, <laughs> I, I made you drink gin. It was going to uh, happen. Um <laughs> So let's plug Mother because I'm doing yeah. previews of uh, Mother all around up until August and then in August at the Monkey Barrel at the Edinburgh Fringe and then in September like September 16th I'm doing it at the Underbelly Winchester Discovery Centre on the 28th I've got a few tour dates around and I'm doing some in America I don't know how many people listen in America but I'm doing <laughs> a bunch there as well so pretty yeah. fucking busy there. pretty busy yeah. I've got a website tiffstevenson.co.uk which hasn't been updated since the Brexit negotiations started <laughs> and I my Twitter at Tiff Stevenson and Instagram Tiff Stevenson comic awesome well thank you so much uh, for that that was absolutely amazing and thank you everyone out there for joining me please rate and subscribe if you have a minute bye bye <laughs> Thank you for listening, excellent humans. Next week on the podcast, we have the amazingly funny and lovely actor, Kimberly Nixon. Please do join us for the silliness. Bye. I just spilt gin and tonic on me. <laughs>